This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, Brent um, reminded us tonight that today is Yom Hash- HaShoah, and uh, it's a very, very sobering thought that Yom HaShoah, today is Yom HaShoah. You know, Yom means day, Ha's the, and HaShoah means, in Hebrew, and actually today it's used as well, it means catastrophe. It doesn't mean Holocaust. It means, it's referring to the Holocaust, but it means catastrophe. So today is the day of the catastrophe, when we remember what happened in, in Nazi Germany. It's the day of the catastrophe. Catastrophe is the word that we would use to describe anybody who is cast into hell. That's a catastrophe. And the point about that catastrophe is that that's a catastrophe that doesn't have to happen. That's an unnecessary catastrophe. So today, as we think about the day of the catastrophe, we should remember the unnecessary catastrophe. Why is it unnecessary? Because Jesus came. Because the Lord died for our sins. Because the payment has been made. Because the ransom has been bought. Because redemption is finished. Because he said on the cross, it's accomplished, it's finished. That's why it's an unnecessary catastrophe. Let's pray as we look into the word now. Father, do open our eyes, open our hearts now as we come before you as children to learn from our Father, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 49, verse 22 is the verse that we're gonna center on this evening. It reads in Genesis 49, 22, it's also in your bulletin, Genesis 49, but it's good if you have your Bible, if you can turn open your Bible because that way we'll be able to also look at some other scriptures around this. Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Now, it's really important as we look at this statement here just to see the setting 
the setting of what happened here when these words were, were spoken because it's so dramatic. What we've got, if you look back in Genesis chapter 48, the chapter before, 48 verse 1, Genesis 48 verse 1, this is the setting where it says, and it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Now, Joseph, at this point, has been very busy. He's very busy. He's running. He's ruling the country of Egypt. He's managing the land. He's got all the land that he got for Pharaoh from the famine. He's been very busy. And it's describing his work in Psalm 105, verse 22. Psalm 105, verse 22, where it says that Joseph was, he was there to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. So he's been very busy, he's binding the princes. In other words, he's been a busy, he's identifying which of the princes are not loyal to Egypt, to Pharaoh. He's binding them in prison. And then he's been very busy teaching all the senators in Egypt wisdom. Those senators have been so long deceived by the idolatry, by Ra, the, the, the false sun god, and so forth. And so now he's very busy teaching them about the only true God, Elohim and how he's showing them all those other gods are false gods. And he taught Pharaoh that. He taught Pharaoh that initially right off the bat in Genesis 41, Genesis 41, 41, 16, where he first spoke to Pharaoh at that time. And when he said, in Genesis 41, 16, and Joseph answered Pharaoh and saying, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And then the next time he spoke about God in verse 25, Genesis 41, 25, 41, 25. Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Then in verse 28, Genesis 41, 28, 41, 28. This is the thing that I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showed it to Pharaoh. You can't see what he's really saying there in English, but in Hebrew, it's so very clear. In the first part, in verse 16, when he says God, he says Elohim. But then after that, he doesn't call God Elohim anymore. And from that point on, he calls him Ha Elohim, the God. He's no longer calling God, God. This is not a God that you just have among your Egyptian gods. He's the God. He's Ha Elohim. He's busy teaching them this, teaching everybody about God. This is his business. And now he's in the midst of all this busyness. Joseph has got this, this word, your father's sick. Your father is very sick. He knows what that means. And so he, he drops everything. He takes his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he goes to his father. And then what happens he's, is that Jacob, he hears his, your son, your favorite son, Joseph's coming to. He's very encouraged to hear that Joseph is coming. And so now you look in Genesis 48.2, Genesis 48.2, 48.2. one told Jacob and said, Behold thy son, Joseph, cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon his bed. He's so sick, he's on his deathbed, in fact. He's gonna die on this bed. But he's so happy, he strengthens himself. The old man, he's gonna die. But he strengthens himself and he sits up on his bed because he's, he's so happy. And he's so happy, his favorite son Joseph has come to see him here. This is a great day in his life. But he's been deep thought. Jacob's been in a deep thought. 
He's been thinking, you know, he, he's been thinking, and when he sees Joseph, he just speaks about what he's been thinking about. In verse 3, Genesis 48.3, Genesis 48.3, Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. First word that Jacob says to Joseph when he sees him in verse 3, he says, God. That's the first thing he says. Jacob's he's very glad to see his favorite son, Joseph. He's very happy. He's so encouraged. His favorite son, Joseph, has come with his two little grandkids. He's so happy. But the first words out of his mouth there are not, oh, Joseph, how are you? I'm so glad to see you. The first words out of his mouth are not, oh, Joseph, you brought my two favorite grandsons to come and see me. He's dying. Jacob is dying. Jacob's soul, he's dying. His body is dying, but his soul is smiling. Jacob's soul is smiling because he's dwelling on things. And so the first words that come out of his mouth in the midst of his grave sickness is what he's been thinking about. The first words that come out of his mouth in the midst of his grave sickness is what he's been meditating on. And what he is just lying there on his deathbed, and he's amazed at, and he can't get over it. And it's occupying his thoughts and all of his concentration. He's delighting in this. Jacob is delighting this during this grave sickness. This is giving him so much pleasure to think about during his sickness there. This is, it's caused a smile of his soul, and he's delighting that. And all, what is it? What is it, Jacob? Tell us what is on your mind. And he says, God. That's what he says, God. And he says, and what about God, Jacob? Tell us what about God. God is almighty. God is El Shaddai. God the almighty. And what about God the almighty? He appeared to me. Jacob, you've told us that so many times. That was over 40 years ago. I know, but I can't get over it. And I'm just so filled with it. He appeared to me, and he blessed me. And you know what he said? He's just so, he's like a little kid. He's so excited, Jacob. He says, he said to me, he says, I'm going to make you fruitful. I'm going to make you multiply. I'm going to make a multitude of people come from you. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. And Jacob could say, I'm so far from the land of Canaan here in Egypt, but God told me, he promised that to me. And this is what Jacob is thinking about when Joseph comes to see him. It's like when he comes in, Jacob says, oh, Joseph, I'm so excited. I must tell you that God is almighty. I got to tell you that. He is El Shaddai. Isn't that great, Joseph? And also, Joseph, I've got to tell you that El Shaddai appeared to me decades ago. I know it was a long time, but he appeared to me, and I just never forgot it. I never got over it. Isn't that great? I must tell you, I must tell you, Joseph, that when El Shaddai appeared to me, he blessed me. He promised to to make my seed a multitude of people. Isn't that great, Joseph? I mean, that should be us, right? Jacob should be us. When we come to our deathbed and our bodies are falling apart, we should be so excited with what God has done and who God is that it's all we think about, all we talk about. That's why now we need to immerse ourselves 
in the thoughts of the wonder of who God is and what he's done. So, you know, when Joseph came to visit Jacob, you know, and uh, I mean, Jacob didn't tell him about all his heart problems. He didn't say, oh, Joseph, I'm so glad you came because, you know, the cardiologist says I have AFib. He's increased my blood meds. Can you believe it? I've got 14 in this bag. I don't even know what they all are. The rheumatologist says I've got osteoarthritis. He says I need analgesics. The oncologist says I have melanoma. I can't withstand the, the, the chemo treatments. The primary care wants to put me on Lipitor. I haven't even read all the other side effects. And the ophthalmologist says I've got cataracts. <laughs> I mean, Jacob is not there thinking about all his physical conditions. He's only thinking about El Shaddai. And he's saying, Joseph, just think of how almighty God is. Just think of how Shaddai El is. And I was, I was running away from him. I was running away from him, Joseph. I was running away from me in Bethel. And he, he caught up with me and when I was asleep. And he blessed me and he made these promises. Isn't that great, Joseph? Isn't that wonderful? Let's just praise the Lord now together. That's what was happening. Now, that was Jacob. He was a man who was just enthralled with God. You know, I love what, what my friend Clint told me this week. Clint was teaching his children. He's got a lot of children. He's got 10, so he can do a lot of teaching. And he says, he was telling his kids, he says, you know, when it comes to God, he was telling his little kids, he was saying to them, when it comes to God, you should never see your own shadow. And he didn't tell them what it, what it meant. Because God is light, and therefore you should never see your own shadow. Because if you're facing the light, if you're facing God, you won't see your own shadow. But if your back is toward God, then you'll see your own shadow. And, and Jacob, he's in pretty bad shape on this bed. He's not going to get off of this bed alive. And so if Jacob had his back towards God, then he would have been looking at his own shadow, and he would have been talking about, oh, the condition I'm in, you won't believe it. He wouldn't have done that because he looked pretty bad. His shadow looked pretty bad. But Jacob did not turn his back on God, and so all he talked about was the light. All he talked about was God because he was facing God. And sometimes we need to turn around and face God so that we can't see our own shadow. We can't see ourselves. We can't see ourselves. And that turning around to face God is what David was referring to in Psalm 80. Psalm 80, verse 3. Psalm 80, verse 3 said like this Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Jacob was facing God, and when we're not facing God, then we need to, to turn us again, O oh God, so, it caused that, so his face will shine on us. And the fact that, that David said, again, turn us again, you know, he said, I'm very sorry, but it is an again affair. Turn us again. Means, that means that we're, we're so prone to turn away from God. We're always turning away, and we see our shadow and it's like it says in Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And then in Psalm 80, it goes on. It's not just in that verse 3. It's repeated again in verse 8. In verse 8, it's repeated. 
And then in verse 7, it says, Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. It's over and over again. Verse 19, verse 8 and verse 19. Turn us again, O God of, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, we shall be saved. Again and again and again and again. We have to turn back to face God. And here, but here, Jacob, he's facing God. And that's why the first words out of his mouth are God Almighty. And then it says, you drop down to verse 21, Genesis 48, 21, 48, 21. Israel said unto Joseph, behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Imagine, imagine Joseph coming and saying, you know, how, you, how are you, dad? And he says, behold, I die. You know, I mean, and Jacob's, Jacob, and, and, and it, look what it does not say. It does not say, and Jacob said unto Joseph, behold, I die. No, it doesn't say that. It says, and Israel said unto Joseph, behold, I die. This is how, this is, this is now the Israel, the Israel of God. He's speaking of his impending death. And with this complete assurance, with this complete peace, he says, behold, I die. Behold, I die. And he did not say something like, you know, behold, I die. And those lousy Egyptian physicians are so incompetent, that's why I'm dying. <laughs> He's not blaming them. He's not saying you can't even find a Jewish doctor. I got to have these Egyptian doctors anyway. No. <laughs> I mean, the, the, he does not say that. He does not say, Behold, I die, and I don't want to die. I want to see my grandchildren grow up. I don't want to die. He doesn't say, behold, I die. Well, everyone else has got to die sooner or later, so I guess it has to happen to me. Dying's a bummer. He didn't say that. That, that wasn't Jacob. Jacob was not thinking of himself. He was not seeing his shadow when he said, behold, I die. Jacob is thinking of Joseph. Even though he's dying, he's going through the misery of the dying process, Jacob here is not thinking of himself during this dying process. Jacob is thinking of Joseph while he's dying. Just like the Lord Jesus. He's dying. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's dying. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He's dying. Woman, behold thy son. He's dying. And again, there's an excitement with Jacob. As we can see Jacob, he's saying to Joseph, Joseph, yes, I'm dying, but I have some very important information to tell you. I gotta tell you, great news, Joseph, and this information is God shall be with you, Joseph. Now, that was the characteristic of Joseph's life. It said that over and over again, and the Lord was with Joseph. But that's it. That's it. And Joseph, he sits there and he thinks to himself, well, I heard my father was really sick and he was on his deathbed. So I came as fast as I could. I made sure that my father didn't die before I came, before I got here. And I got here and I see my father and I see him prop himself up on his bed and with a great big smile, he says to me, God Almighty appeared to me and blessed me and made promises to me. And that was over 40 years ago. And now my father is dying and he's encouraging me. And he's telling me that God's gonna be with me. I mean, I came here to encourage my father and my father's encouraging me. And, he's and Jacob was telling Joseph that, that, that God was with them at the time when he was dying. 
Also, and as for comforting, Joseph's broken heart about his father dying couldn't have been better words. God was going to be with you. God's with me. That's wonderful. Then Jacob realizes, as we said here, that he's going to die. And so now we come to the next chapter, chapter 49, verse 1, Genesis 49, verse 1, 49, verse 1. And it says, and Jacob called unto, unto his sons and said, these are the 12 sons, gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. So he feels he must now address each one of his 12 sons individually, personally, and give them a, a, a message about what's going to happen. And this is right here, the end of his life, Genesis 49, this is one of the finest moments in Jacob's life. Another fine moment in Jacob's life is when he took a hold of God and he said, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. That was a fine moment in his life. And this is a fine moment on his life as, he, as he's speaking to each one of them. And he starts with Reuben. Reuben, who had raped his concubine. And he says to Reuben in verse four, Reuben, unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then, then defilest thou it. He went up to my couch. Boy, what a way to start. He passes from Reuben, and he comes to Simeon Levi. He thinks, maybe it'll get better when I come to Simeon Levi. But he remembers how Simeon and Levi became so angry with how the prince of Shechem had forced their sister, Dina, and how in their anger they murdered all the men. They murdered all the men of the city of Shechem. And Jacob, remembering this, he's got such a pain in his heart, and he says to them in verse 5, Genesis 39, 5, Genesis 39, 5, Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty in their habitations. Oh, my soul, come not thou near unto their secret, unto their assembly. Mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger. It was fierce, it was, and their wrath, for it's cruel. I'll divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So he says, he comes to me and Levi, and he says, withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. And he curses their anger and their cruelty. And then he comes to Judah, and he thinks, oh, Judah, he spent so much time with prostitutes. But he sees something, and he says, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couches a lion as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. He comes to Judah. He comes to Judah, the man who has already got an eye problem, Jacob. But now he sees something he's never seen before. He doesn't see Judah with the prostitutes now. His eyes are open for the first time. He's in utter shock. 
he sees he's the one who's going to bring the Messiah. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.